Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I am your host, Peter Komalafe. This is where we talk about money and all things personal finance, where we help you make the best financial decisions possible because money is a tool and life is for living. So we've just entered into a new tax year last Thursday. And so in this episode of the pod, what I want to do is talk you through the three mistakes that everyone's making with their ISIS that you need to avoid in 2023. Now, just as a heads up, When I talk about my point number two, this is going to be where I'm going to scribe and illustrate some of the points that I want to make. And so if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify or any of the audio outlets, it might be worthwhile just bookmarking some time to watch the video for this, which will be available on YouTube from 12 p.m. onwards. So like I've already said, we've entered into a new tax year. I've been able to max out my ISAs for the previous tax year. And I'm hoping that through this episode in this conversation that we're about to have, that you'll also try to maybe give yourself a target to try and put as much as you possibly can into your ISAs whilst avoiding these three mistakes that everybody makes. Now, jumping straight in at mistake number one. A lot of people feel intimidated by the ISA allowance. What do I mean by that? I speak to a lot of people, and I have done through my career, where they look at the ISA allowance being £20,000, and they just think, £20,000 is a lot of money. I'm never going to be able to max out £20,000, so why bother? And you'll be surprised at how common a train of thought this is. I've come across it so much. And I really want to talk about this because I think it's really, really important to take a step back. Look, £20,000 is a lot of money for ordinary people like me and like you, 100%. I mean, even from maybe six years ago, thinking about maxing out your ice, my ice allowance was one of those things where I was like, it's quite a lot of money. Where well, I'm going to get 20 grand from. And a lot of it comes down to this simple notion that I believe is one of the true rules of life, control the controllables. And thinking about the things that you can control and focusing on those specifically. A lot of it starts in our mindset, in our head. And if we automatically think that we're never going to earn enough money to be able to max out a £20,000 ISA, then you're probably right. You're never going to be able to get to that point where you do. But if you take the contrary view and say, well, actually, I have the ability to generate additional income through side hustles or through whatever means that will allow me to be able to contribute as much as I can where I could possibly max out my £20,000 allowance, then again, you're most likely to do that. It's like Confucius said, he who thinks he can and can't are both probably right. So a lot of it starts up here, mindset. And this is where I really want to talk about the ice allowance specifically. Look, it is a lot of money, but I think the way we should be approaching this is to think about it as £20,000. Wow, that's a gift. So how much can I contribute into my ISA this tax year and look at it from that point of view? Because I don't care whether it's £1,000 or £500 or even £5,000 you're able to put into an ISA, maxing out as much as you can afford should be the starting point. So in other words, what do you have to be, what do you have to do to be financially structured enough to be able to max out your ISA allowance for what you can afford. Because the the, the simple fact around ISAs is, if you don't use it, you lose it. It doesn't get carried forward. You can no longer go back and go and claim what you don't use. So the goal should be, if you are 
able to contribute 1,000 pounds, that should be your target. And if you're, if you're working and you do well with things like targets where you're structured and you're quite driven in that sense, if you're able to then max out the full 20,000 pounds, well, that is a bonus. But don't be intimidated. Think about how much you can max out and focus on that number. And if you want to play around with targets specifically and say, well, actually, I'm going to aim to max out 2,000 pounds because I believe that I'll be able to save X amount per month to get to this number, then that should be what you set yourself a target for. And give yourself this mechanism where you can track your progress so you know how far you are, you are away from your target and that will hopefully keep you going. So that's the first mistake. That is being intimidated by the ISA allowance. So onto mistake number two, and this is where I'm gonna start to scribe. And mistake number two is, a lot of people are still selecting the wrong type of ISA. Now this is where we will get into a little bit of detail, okay? So generally speaking, there are four types of ISAs that you can pay money into during the tax year, okay? So you've got your cash ISA, you've got your stocks and shares ISA, you have a lifetime ISA, and you also have your innovative finance ISA. Now let's have a look at each of them. So with your cash ISA, your cash ISA is going to be ISAs in a bank on the high street, and I know what you're gonna be thinking, they will be offering you lower rates of interest currently. And that is quite important a point because of inflation still being so high right now. Now, the good news is that over the past 12 months, if you can call this good news, is as inflation has risen, the bank rate has risen, which means interest rates have also risen. So I'm, I'm thinking about silver linings here, guys. So please just bear with me, okay? Silver lining being before where you would have got less than 1% in a cash ISA, now you can get one with pretty decent interest rates, right? But still, in reality, because I'm a realist, nowhere near the rate of inflation. And I will talk a little bit about this at the end of this video because there's a quite an important point to be made when it comes to comes to that point exactly. So cash ISAs. Now for me personally, I feel like your cash ISA is a staple part of your ISA holding. And the way I see this, and this is where I'm going to scribe, your, um, your emergency fund is one of the first things or the perfect thing to put into a cash ISA. Because if you think about it, if you're trying to structure your finances appropriately, you should have an emergency fund before you invest in. If you've read my book, I cover that in the book specifically. And your emergency fund should be really instant access. It should be accessible instantly. And beauty about a cash ISA is you can actually have it as an instant access account, but still tax-free. Now, there is this, you know, argument about whether or not you should or should not be withdrawing from your ISAs, which can negate the, the argument of having your emergency fund in your ISA. But emergencies don't always occur. I had an emergency fund for two years that I never touched. It was sat in an ISA. And I think that could be a good thing because as you're getting interest, and again, not a lot of interest because it's high street rates right now, it's still tax-free. And the important thing to note here is that once it's in an ISA, it is always going to be free from capital gains and it's also going to be free from income tax. So these are really important points. So it's a good place for you to put things like your emergency fund to use if you ever needed it, keeping it tax-free. And if you don't need it, then 
happy news, great news. It's tax-free, which you can then move into a stocks and shares ISA a bit later on. And that leads us on to the second type of ISA, stocks and shares ISA. Now, your stocks and shares ISA will be your investment ISAs. So again, with this, there is an investment risk. And it's really important to understand this. What I tend to find happen is that a lot of people will just plow money into the stocks and shares ISA. And to be honest, that's great news. And it's music to my ears that people are so attuned and aligned now to invest. But I think it's really important to make sure that you understand the fundamentals around how you use your, your stocks and shares ISA, i.e., should you be putting money into a stocks and shares ISA if, for example, you need access to the money in the short term, two to three years? No, you shouldn't. Really, the shortest term for an investment stocks and shares ISA or any investment for that matter is a five-year term. And if you're investing for less than that, the risk is simply too high. Now, the beauty about stocks and shares ISA is the fact that because it is invested in the market, you get to benefit from things like co compound interest, right? Stuff we don't get taught in school, <laughs> which we should, right? And you probably learned about comp compound interest because of podcasts like this and, and other podcasts across uh, social media. But you're able to take advantage of compound interest with Stocks and Shares ISA, which over the long term is the engine for creating wealth. And the reason why Stocks and Shares ISAs are so powerful is because when you compound all of your returns and then Come back to the fundamental fact that within an ISA, you're free from income tax and capital gains tax. All of a sudden, you start to get to an environment where you begin cooking on gas. Because if you're able to max out your ISA allowance every single year, I mean, as a financial advisor, I've seen clients who have amassed quite a bit in their ISAs. And when they come to retire, they're able to take money, income from those ISAs tax free. It is a beautiful vehicle to be used to build and create wealth, future income streams later on. And again, we can argue to the cows government around, oh, you know, ISAs are a waste of time and all this kind of stuff. I, I vehemently beg to differ. So you've got stock to shares ISA, really important element. The next one I'm going to talk about is lifetime ISA. Now, a lifetime ISA is generally built for first-time buyers or people who want to invest for retirement a bit later on in life, right? So they're a great vehicle. And the beauty behind a lifetime ISA is the fact that within a lifetime ISA, you are going to get 25% free from the government as an automatic return. And I think for first-time buyers specifically, this is quite a powerful tool to help you get on the property ladder saving for your deposit. Yes, you've got to hold the account, have the account open, I should say, for 12 months, but it's a 25% return. And if you ask me, that's a pretty decent return. I'm not aware of any stock market that has returned 25% in one year without any risk at all. Now, clearly within a lifetime ISA, you have your stocks and shares ISA, and you can have a cash ISA as well. And I think this is really where I would like to kind of maybe just put another risk warning out there and maybe some context around this too. With your lifetime ISA, as I've already alluded to, if you're going into a stocks and shares ISA, which you can do in your lifetime ISA, you need at least a five-year minimum investment term. I speak to a lot of first-time investors, uh, first-time buyers, I should say, who want to buy a house in two, three years' time, and they're thinking about a stocks and shares lifetime ISA. I simply tell them the risk is too high. You need to think about it pragmatically. Is it worthwhile putting money into a stocks and shares lifetime ISA with the markets being volatile and running the risk that you might lose some of your deposit? 
I personally don't believe that it is. You're going to automatically get, you're going to automatically get 25% from the government anyway. So use that as your your boost to your to your deposit, really. Now, obviously, with a lifetime ITA, you can also have your cash ITA as well, which is where you're automatically going to get the 25%. And I think for first-time buyers who maybe have a two, three-year horizon towards buying their first home, that is the safest place that they can be, and not a stock and shares ITA. And I think that's a really important point to make if you're a first-time buyer listening to this or watching this on YouTube. And the reason why you're going into a lifetime ISA is to help you build a deposit. You really need to be pragmatic about it. And remember, the maximum amount that you can pay into a lifetime ISA per year is £4,000. So for every £4,000, you're going to get £1,000 free from the government. Worthwhile remembering. Now, the fourth type of ISA that you can pay into um, is an innovative finance ISA. Now, these aren't really that popular, but this is peer-to-peer lending. So this is where you're actually investing in companies, startup companies. And with this, yes, you can keep all of the returns tax-free, but the risk is much, much higher. Unlike investing in a stocks and shares ISA where you may be buying something like the S&P 500 or you're investing in the FTSE 100, the companies in your innovative uh, finance ISA, which are peer-to-peer, are literally startups. Maybe three, four, five years old, still going through that early early stage of business, early stage of growth. The rewards are much, much higher because if they make it big, you get to make it big as well. But the risk of failure is also much, much higher. So it's very, very worthwhile just understanding how innovative finance ICEs work before you dive headfirst into it. Yes, much bigger rewards, but also much, much bigger risk that you carry with it as well. So worthwhile bearing in mind. I don't often talk about innovative finance ISAs that much purely because of the fact that it is a much, much higher risk, but it is an option for you to use in your investments. Now, let's move on to the last mistake that most people make or everyone makes with ISAs that I think you need to avoid in 2023. And that is the fact that people still think that ISAs are a waste of time. And I really do think that this is down to a lack of financial education. And this channel, this podcast, and a lot of other channels across social media are doing great work in terms of trying to change that perception. Your ISAs aren't a waste of time. If anything, they are a great way for you to create wealth and build a future stream of income that cannot be taxed. And this mindset shift is so important to make. And I also have to point out one of the things that I alluded to a little bit earlier on, which frankly drives me nuts. I hear this so many times across my YouTube comment section, across social media in general. What's the point of doing a cash ISA if the interest rates are so low I might as well not even bother. And it drives me nuts because it is just defeatist thinking. Now, let's just be real for one minute. I'm not the kind of person that that pussyfoots around topics like this. I don't necessarily tolerate tolerate, um, negative thinking, negative mindsets, this constant feeling to moan about things that you can't control. And interest rates is one of them. 
you cannot control what the Bank of England does because of the economy, because of inflation. You can't control inflation. You can't control any of it. And so sitting there complaining about complaining about how low interest rates are, for me, is just, it's a waste of time. You have the interest rates that are available. So use the interest rates that you have. You are given a £20,000 ISO allowance every single year. So use as much of the allowance as you can if you can't max it out. And speaking frankly, and this is where I'm going to talk tough love, right? Because I am this kind of person. I don't deal with excuses. My journey would have never brought me to here if I gave myself excuses. We need to man up and just really deal with the reality of what we have, right? Don't complain. Deal with it. You have an ISA allowance. Interest rates you can't fix. We don't know whether interest rates are going to continue to go up. We don't know whether they're going to go down. We don't know whether inflation is going to go down. So how do we make the best of the situation that we face? How we do that is maxing out as much as you can in your ISAs. And whilst you're at it, if you're paying into a stock and shares, or well, a cash ISA, first and foremost, make sure you're able to source the highest rate available to you. In a stock and shares ISA, your job is to make sure that you're invested in a way that allows you to take advantage of the market situation without overextending on your risk. And this is the part that a lot of people miss, the risk management of investments. There's a lot going on right now with BRICS nations and petrodollar. I'm hearing your questions about that. I'm I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to be able to create some content that will break it down because a lot of it is actually quite complex. But the bigger question is, what does that mean for investments, the US economy, if this does actually come to pass like it, like it looks like it is? So we'll talk about that a bit later on. But let's not focus on the noise. What we need to focus on is the decision that we are making right now in terms of avoiding these mistakes within your ISA for this current tax year and every tax year after this. Really important. Don't moan and complain about things that you can't control. Focus on the things that you can. That's how you make progress. That's how you're able to move forward and actually build things for the future. So that's this episode, and I hope you found this useful. I'm not going to apologize that I gave a little bit of tough love at the end of this episode, because I think sometimes it is absolutely needed. It is 100% needed, and that's, that is very much my mindset. I'm all about let's, let's control the controllables. Let's be real with one another. Let's not give ourselves excuses not to do things. Making excuses is the prerequisite for failure. I'm not about failure. I'm about learning and developing and building. And I want to be able to bring you guys on the journey with me as I progress and as I build for myself as well. The last thing I want to do in this episode is just encourage you to do something for me. So on my website, petercomalafe.com, on the podcast tab, um, I'm actually taking questions for this podcast. So if you have particular questions that you want answered, go to the website, go fill in the form. It will come to me and I will answer your questions in future episodes of the podcast. But in the meantime, I hope you found this really informative. If you did, please make sure that you leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're listening to, Spotify or Apple. And if you're watching this on YouTube and you have got value, make sure that you smash the like button. It will help with the YouTube algorithm and also subscribe if this is the first time that you're finding me. I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your bank holiday Monday. I will catch you later on in the week. Bye.